Hey, welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. This is Brendan Lemon, or as the French say, Brendan Lemon. Eh, bonjour, Brendan. Comment ça va? Ça va bien? Et toi, mec? Oui, ça roule. C'est la balle. C'est le meilleur jour aujourd'hui. Oui, voilà. Uh, I'm talking like that because I just got back from Paris, France uh, two days ago. Uh, <clears throat> that's why you haven't heard from me in a couple of weeks. I did the episode with Adrian Brandyberg, and um, I had intended on doing two episodes with comedians who I know, American comedians who are in France who are very successful. But uh, I got sick. Hooray. It's because it rained every day in Paris. There was maybe five hours of sunlight <laughs> a day. Uh, it was cold. It was wet. It was January. What was I thinking, right? Uh, I actually did three really cool shows when I was there. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun to go out and do three three cool shows. I did um. There was a, a French fried comedy. I did a New York comedy night in Paris at Cafe Oscar, uh, and then I did the uh, the Br Great British and American Comedy Night. And the cool thing about that show is that I actually started that show with Sarah Donnelly, who was one of the comedians I was going to interview. Uh, Sarah Donnelly and Sebastian Marks was the other one I was going to interview. He started the New York uh, Comedy Night. He actually really kind of started the whole uh, English-speaking comedy scene in Paris and uh, is a very interesting guy. Sarah Donnelly, married, has a kid, doing comedy, has done comedy for years. She's very funny. She has a one-woman show. Um, all these guys are getting on TV over there on Canal Plus and things like this, so I thought I would interview him. And I uh, kind of fucked up, totally fucked up because uh, I didn't have I just didn't even have, uh, I had no strength. I was so, I got so sick. It's, um, this trip to Paris, I don't know if you've ever been there, a listener, person who I'm, I'm talking to right now on this device. I don't know if you've ever been there, but, uh, you should go. It's very beautiful. It's, uh, it is, even in the wintertime, it's gorgeous. The, the buildings are, are beautiful. Uh, the, um, the landscape is, is wonderful. Um, you know, it's hilly. You can go up to Saint-Denis and see the entire city. There's so much history there. I think that was part of the reason that I wanted to go actually was that, uh, you know, that I lived there a couple of times was that the, the, the history makes you feel part of something much bigger than yourself and you're participating in it because it's Paris and you're there. Uh, it's a very beautiful city. It's also very disgusting. It's um, it's gross. There's pickpockets everywhere. Uh, I don't think the French would know good service if it smacked them in the face. Uh, and here's the thing. They actually hate good service. Um, they actually don't like good service themselves. They, it's, uh, we went out to dinner with, um, uh, Gloria and I went out to dinner with uh, another couple we're friends with, um, Jenny and Kemi. I know Jenny since um, University of Michigan days, uh, you know, 10 years ago or more. And um, Kemi, her her now uh, civil partner, I guess, they got paxed. Uh, pardon me, I'm trying to get this coffee going. Uh, they got paxed, which is the, uh, French gay married. That's the uh, civil union that um, France created years ago to uh, not have to deal with the marriage question with uh, homosexual marriage. They're a very Catholic country. I know I'm bopping around a bit here, but you, can, you guys know how this podcast goes by now. Uh, and if you don't, get out. <laughs> this. Uh, so here's the thing: they're they're gay French married because um, they the, they wanted to get the, the Catholic country. They're so Catholic, they just didn't want to deal with the marriage issue. So they were like, "Yeah, we're coming up with this 
thing called PAX, P-A-X. I don't even know what it stands for. But a lot of younger couples who are heterosexual couples ended up getting it. And they just were like, yeah, we're just going to do this instead of getting married because it's a lot easier and less expensive and non-religious. And uh, so they really had a hot potato on their hands because they were like, we were trying to protect the institution of marriage. And by the very act of trying to protect it, we've kind of partially ruined it. (laughs) Oh, the poetic justice makes me so happy. And you know what? The Church of Satan didn't have anything to do with that. And uh, I wish they 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 I bet they wish they did. I don't know if I wish they did, but I bet they wish they did. They uh, those guys are. If you don't know anything about the Church of Satan listeners in Russia or uh, Jamaica or Brazil or wherever you guys are from, because I I know I get listeners from all over now. Uh, go check it out. Go look them up. They um they're actually not satanic. They're actually non-religious. Uh, they they use a lot of satanic Christian symbolism just to really get on the nerves of other people. Le- legitimately, that's the only thing that they use it for. And uh, they're very strange people, but they are, they're very interested in the United States and making sure that church and state stay, stay separate. They don't want any religious people intervening on the things that they do. So anytime religious people do want want to do something like, hey, let's put up a you know a religious work of art near the state. Capitol building, this Church of Satan shows up and goes, oh, could we want to do that too? And then they have to let them do it. <laughs> so there's this, look this up, in, this, in Oklahoma City, they put up a Baphomet statue of a goat-headed god speaking with two children in front of the uh, state Capitol building because they had to be let to do it. Oh, the Christians were so mad. Oh, they were so mad. Oh, they got together and said, we don't like this. That's what they did. They were they were uh, they were impetulant with the whole thing. I don't even know if that's the right use of that word. Uh, so I was in Paris. Uh, there are no Church of Satan in Paris, and no Scientology either, because the Parisians uh, and the French understand something. It's a cult. They don't even. Um, they're not mincing words about it. They straight up. Sorry, I'm trying to get this coffee going. They straight up were like, "No, this is a cult. Can't do this. Can't do it. We don't want it here. Not in our country." Get out of here. And they got rid of it. Interestingly, Mormons can still walk around and try to recruit people and get them to come to the, <laughs> the little temple recruitment area. Uh, I saw two Mormons five years ago when I was living there near the Hotel de Ville, um, which is kind of like the mayor's office, you know, town hall. And they were trying to get, they were walking around. They, you could instantly tell they were Mormons because they had a white <laughs> short sleeve white collared shirts, you know, like people wear who aren't crazy, uh, and ties. So they immediately look like Bible salesmen slash uh, Mormons. Really, that's the only outfit that those, that's the only people who wear that outfit anymore is Mormons. There's nobody who kind of, no one's like, hey, let me put on these horn rimmed glasses and then a short sleeve button down with a black tie and walk around and go to work. In 2018, maybe 50 years ago, but no more for sure. Anyway, uh, I saw these Mormons and I walked up to them and I said, Hey guys, are you guys Mormons? And I said it in English because that's, they're the only, you know, no, Mormons don't come from anywhere else. There's, they're not, there aren't like Samoan Mormons. There aren't, you know, Kenyan Mormons. There aren't Chinese Mormons. There just aren't them. They aren't there. They're not, they don't exist. Uh, 
the Mormons in Utah are really trying to make them exist. I mean, holy shit, do they try. They got a whole operation out there. They're very industrious people. I have to give them that. Um, it's really the only thing they got going for them because uh, it, their religion is completely bonkers. It's nut. It's nutso. It's not a case. <laughs> I'm probably going to... You know, I don't think I have any Mormon listeners. And if I do, I, I, I'm thank you for listening, I guess. Um, I think your religion is bonkers. <laughs> and deep down, you do too. You know that it is. Go look it up if you're listening to this podcast and you've never heard of the things that Mormons believe. They believe some out there stuff. And factually, it's incorrect. Uh, it's amazing because it's not like, you know, like like the Christian Bible or, you know, or, um, or, or some other religions that are making claims about like moral truths in the universe. And you're like, I just don't really know if that, you know, maybe it was okay for the, the massacre of the Amalekites and I can do some mental gymnastics to try to justify why a supremely good being would be okay with that. But with Mormons, they're like, oh, these things are written in Egyptian. They're, they're written in Egyptian. And then they, they're not written in Egyptian. No Egyptologist on the planet recognizes any of this language. It's just, it's, it's complete madness. And you know what? Here's the thing. If you believe in it and it gives you a better life and you're better off, that's uh, good for you. I don't, I got no moral qualms about it, you know? Send your young men to Paris to pester people in front of the Hotel de Ville and they will be appropriately snubbed by the French. But, you know, if that makes them happy and it makes you happy, I have more power to you. This is not something I planned on talking about, but... I walked up to the Mormons. Uh, this is five years ago now. This is not this past trip. I will get to this past trip in a moment. But five years ago, I walk up to the Mormons in the Hotel de Ville. I'm in with my girlfriend, Jenny. Not the Jenny Zhang from earlier, by the way. A different Jenny, who's German. Who, by the way, had no idea. I mean, none. What Mormons were. She was like, "Who? what are these people? What are they? And I walked in. She's like, are they a cult? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And we uh, walked up. And uh, I said, hey, you guys Mormons? And they were like, yeah, yeah, man. Holy moly. I was like, yeah, I'm from the United States. I just knew who you guys were and I uh, could tell that you were out here probably on your mission. And they were like, yeah, we are. That's really, yeah, that's cool, man. Thanks for walking up and saying hi because they're all super nice. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, I, you know, it just it's probably hard out here for you. I bet a lot of people kind of don't want to talk. And they're like, yeah, they, you know, the French, they don't really... They're not interested, you know, they think we have a, they're not religious to begin with, really, and they think we kind of have a strange religion, and I was like, well, you do, and they were like, well, we know it's not, you know, it's not for everybody, but it's like, you you know, we try, we're trying out here, and I said, hey, look, good on you for trying to do, you know, things that you think are good in the world, uh, you know, I hope, uh, hope everything's going okay for you, and then they said, well, do you want to come around the corner to our, have a discussion at our, you know, and I was like, fuck no, dude, <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> Keep you and your weird bullshit psycho prophet's words to yourself. Okay. All right. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> away. I'm not exactly sure what that says about me, uh, but it was a unique experience. That was in the summertime from five years ago. This time, France, Paris, 2018, January. It was very cold. There were no Mormons. It was too cold for them. Uh, Mormons don't go out if it's below 40 degrees, I think. They, uh, that's their, you gotta stay indoors, uh, stay warm, you know what I mean? They can't, uh, that kind of, uh, cold provides clarity. <laughs> oh, man, that might be my favorite joke I've ever said on this thing. 
Anyway, we were in Paris and uh, staying in a very tiny apartment in Montreuil, which is a lovely area, uh, and it was just very cold. Gloria hated Paris, let me tell you that. I learned something about my girlfriend, which is that she couldn't stand it. Uh, she did not like it. The service was, I mean, and who, you know, can you, I couldn't even blame her. That was the thing. This this almost ruined my vision of, of Paris. I've lived there twice. I've told you I lived there in 2008, 2013. Uh, I loved it. I mean, in the summertime, it's beautiful. Uh, it's very smelly. Uh, but, she, you know, she, when we were walking around, she was like, I just can't do this. We got to go. Like, I'm ready to get this vacation over. And I was like, what's the problem? And she's like, well, it's cold. And that's, you know, you can't argue with that. It's just that's the way the world is right now. But, uh, you know, if we had been in Chicago, it would have been cold. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm not really. And it was warmer there. So, I'm not really sure. It's kind of a plus minus, I guess, is a neutral. But she's not wrong. It's a factual observation of the things that are occurring around us. Which, by the way, an INTG, J, INTG, Jesus, INTJ on the Myers Briggs, which is what she is, is very good at. She's very good at going, hey, this is a fact. And then moving on. Uh, she said it's very cold. She goes, there's pickpockets everywhere, which is true. They're all over the fucking place over there. She's like, it's just very smelly, which is also true. She goes, everybody's a, an asshole, uh, which is also true. And she's like, uh, and it's just a lot of old buildings, and I don't really see a lot. Not anything is really happening. Uh, and that stumped me because all of those things are true, and they're all bad <laughs> and would ruin someone's experience of a, the city of Paris. So... <laughs> I kind of had to agree with her. I was like, yeah, I guess this town's kind of shitty. <laughs> Turns out my favorite place in the world is actually pretty awful. <laughs> She's like, I won't, I'm not going to do this again. She's like, we can go to, I mean, we didn't even go to the Eiffel Tower. That's how little she cared about it. She was like, she saw it from afar and she said, great, saw it. That's it. I mean, I'm also dating an alien, so keep that in mind. Gloria Scott is from another planet. She's a, a person who uh, is very strange in her own right, complete uh, oddity. And I think, um, I, I, you know, I mean, she's a wonderful girl, but I, I don't know how much of her feelings correspond to human emotions. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I'm, you know, another person could go and, and have had a great time. And I think that many people, um, and this is, I think, why Paris is kept in this bubble, I think that a lot of people, you know, I've had friends who come and visit me from the States when I'm living out there. And they come and visit, and they're uh, they're very excited, and uh, they get overwhelmed with the idea of being in Paris. That there's a there's a, a mental projection of what Paris is, and to them it looks like oh the Eiffel Tower and the river, which by the way was flooded, and I'll probably talk about that in a second, but. Uh, it's like oh my god, it's it's the the, the Eiffel Tower, and it's the you know, oh, the waiter in the bar with the little vest and the he's serving us. And, you know, it's uh, it's wine and it's the Notre Dame and the Louvre and the Musée d'Orsay. And all of these things are true. Uh, they all are true. They do exist. But when you get closer to them, you realize, oh, it's Notre Dame, but it's in front of it is a whole bunch of fucking pickpockets and then three weird fire dancer people. And also the line to get in is like an hour and a half long. And also there's a lot of people trying to sell me flowers and hashish and 
bottles of champagne that are overpriced. And if I'm, then there's people trying to hand me cards that say, do you speak English? And then they, while they're handing it to me, their buddy is behind me trying to pull from my pockets. Uh, and it's smelly again, by the way, it's still smelly. Also, it's very humid. So nobody's hair looks good and everything is smelly because it's very humid and nobody wears deodorant. So you have to, it's almost like Paris is wonderful for the people who visit it and can suspend disbelief (laughs) for the amount of time that it requires for them to just be there and convince themselves they're having the best time. They're having a great time. Paris is great. It's really great. It's wonderful. Uh, But she's not wrong. It's just old buildings, basically. It's just old-ass buildings that uh, exist. And here's the thing. I like that. I'm into it. I like monuments. I like things that remind me of the past. I don't know what that says about me. I got into a little bit of that kind of introspection this time. I think it says that I don't believe history is real in the United States. Everything is the newest, almost, version of itself that it can be. And, uh, And there's no... It's just a clean slate. Just go. Just go into the future. Just what are you doing? Go. Uh, no one has any appreciation for the past, um, and there's no link to any kind of grand narrative or experience. It's like, you know, what did you do? What's the last thing you did? And uh, there's something about being getting drunk around a very old monument like Notre Dame that makes you feel like, man, history is big, and I'm just a, I'm just a, this tiny speck on it. And rather than providing a sense of anxiety, which is, I think, how American culture would would interpret that feeling, French culture instead imbues you with a feeling of, and, eh, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> the world is big and scary, and uh, it doesn't matter. You're just one person. Are you Louis Fourteenth? No. Then why are you worrying about it? <laughs> just have some wine. Hang out next to the Seine while the river is not flooded, which it was. Uh, hang out next to the Seine, you know, and chill out. Maybe go home and fuck somebody or don't. It doesn't matter. Like that, I think, is the, I think that is the, that's maybe why I loved that city so much. There was something about it that was so Im- impressively nonchalant that its approach to the grandness of the things that surrounded it was almost indifferent. Because they've always been there. You know, they were there their entire lives. Nobody had to build any of that stuff. They have to maintain it. Um, but the, the living inside of a mansion that your ancestors built and maintaining it versus building the damn thing yourself is a complete difference. And the thing in the United States is you have to build your mansion. Uh, unless you're a member of a very rich family, and then all you have to do is coast, which kind of blows. But um, Gloria hates those people for the same reason. So I think that she hated French culture for that exact reason. She thought, these people are just coasting. This is just floating. These people aren't really doing anything. Which is amazing because um, Gloria Scott, my girlfriend, who is wonderful, is also not a terribly uh, uh, overly ambitious woman. (laughs) Don't tell her I said that. Oh, my God. I'll get in. I'll get in uh, probably a whole host of trouble. I, what I mean by that is, like, she she doesn't have any grand plan, like, I'm going to build a fucking huge company. I'm building the next Google. Like, she just doesn't, she doesn't care. She gets up, she works very hard, she works very hard every day, but she doesn't have some, you know, sense of, like, I need to conquer the new horizon. I awaken the future and my, I will split the sun in half. Like, none of this, you know, grandness. Uh, she has no aspiration to do that. She works very hard, but... 
uh, it's just not a thing to her. So I find that odd that she doesn't like anybody else ghosting. <laughs> you know, it feels like those things are they're in similar they're similar instanti- instantiations. <clears throat> Maybe she doesn't like it because it reflects that part back of to herself. I don't know. We're now I'm talking to you about a, someone who you don't know. So, uh, good job, Brendan. The Seine flooded. Um, it was very high. You probably heard it on the news because it was international news, and it was very high. The Seine was really high. It was uh, it was very high. I'd never seen it so high. Boats could not go up and down it. Um, all the shorelines along the Seine next to the river were all flooded. And it was very weird because um, I have uh, lived, you know, there before and never seen it that high. And there were places that we used to frequent along the river that we get drunk by and things like this. And uh, we couldn't see them. They were underwater. And that was bizarre. Because it, it did actually feel kind of like you're, I was in a different city or something. Like there were parts of it, it was like we flew all the way here and I can't even go down to the place where I used to hang out with my buddies. That's kind of strange. Um, but that's just the way it is. Security is very serious there. Uh, soldiers walking around all the time. Um, it's weird. They're all young kids and they're carrying big ass machine guns. It's not like here in the United States where they're like, yeah, he's a soldier. And it's like a, you know, just a couple of dudes with, like, they got a pistol and they're standing around. It's like a guy with a goddamn, he's got an anti-tank rifle, this motherfucker. What is that going to, you know what I mean? Like, where, how is that going to, it's just crazy. And they're walking around everywhere. They're walking around Garda Nord, Garda, 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 the last, uh, Saint Lazare, uh, the Louvre, uh, Notre Dame. I mean, we saw them everywhere. They were just all over the place. And there are police everywhere, and they're checking your bags everywhere. They all, they check your bags before you go in. You couldn't even get under the Eiffel Tower. Not that we went, so I don't know this firsthand, but I was told that you, if you go to the Eiffel Tower and try to walk under it, they will uh, check your bags there too. And uh, it takes as long to now to wait to get under the damn thing as it does to get up the thing. Uh, four times in Paris now, never been to the top of the Eiffel Tower, and mostly I don't care. (laughs) Uh, now it's becoming a real chip on my shoulder, like, people are like, you lived in Paris? Yeah, never been to the top of the Eiffel Tower, though, so fuck you. (laughs) You know how you have this great American-Parisian experience in your head? I didn't do it, so deal with that. (laughs) Filter that. Filter that through your Midwest sensibilities, asshole. Oh, man. It was magnificent in uh, that kind of way. Uh, the service is terrible. It's just bad. Um, you guys, I'm trying. I'm going to tell you right now. Lower your expectations when you go. Do not expect good service. They their concept of good services. We're going to leave you alone. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette over here and look at my phone. You can see them standing around just looking at their phones, and they're never going to give you more water. Okay, get that out of your head right now. They're never even going to give you water unless you ask for it. Monsieur, si vous plaît, uh, je prends un verre d'eau. And then they, I even asked, and even if you asked, they want to give it to you. I, I asked a guy, I said, and he was like, oh, you want, okay. And then he left and never came back. Never came back. I had to get up and pay my bill and leave. That's, <laughs> can you imagine how fast somebody would be fired in the United States if that happened? They would be fired so fast. I don't know how these places stay open, to be perfectly honest. I don't get it. They, they seem like they should not be open, a lot of them. 
It just seems, you know, nobody, their food, every, all the food is good. I will say that. Almost, I don't think I had a bad meal the whole time I was there. But none of it is so much better than like, or, you know, so good that it makes up for a guy being a total jackass when you're trying to have dinner. I mean, they'll just throw things down in front of you. Bang, there's your food. Bye. And then they leave. And you're like, uh, this, uh, sir, I, I don't have any silverware. Oh, uh, and they come back and <clears throat> give you this stuff. It's ridiculous. Uh, they need to give over themselves. I thought, it, but they hate, this is getting back to the dinner with Jenny and Camille. They hate it when American servers walk up and ask you how you're doing and refill your glass without asking you. They hate that shit. They're like, why are you, what are you doing? They feel manhandled. They feel confused. They feel like you're like you're treating them like a child or something. Uh, no, I'm just trying to take care of you like a king. Okay, I'm sorry. I guess you like living like a French peasant that you're used to being indifferently huffed at from someone who condescends to you even though you're about to pay them money. Jesus, the, 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 the fucking uh, dominatrixes in that country must make a killing. There's got to be all kinds of underground sex clubs in Paris I'm not aware of because uh, I'm an American and I don't feel like I need someone to dominate me in order for me to feel okay with myself. That culture has got to be ripe with it. I mean, they've got to be all over there and they, they'll pay money if to have you know, women condescend to them or men condescend to them and just talk about how shitty they are and they probably feel such a sense of relief. You know, I got to walk around during the day and look at these grand monuments built by like really spectacular and amazing people in history and uh, I'm a useless idiot who didn't have to do anything in my life because the state paid for everything. And uh, just make me feel, just tell me I'm shitty so I actually feel shitty. And then I'll actually have a relief because then it's like, hey, if I'm shitty, I don't have to compare myself. Can you please do that? Oh, I can't do that? Well, at least I can go to a French restaurant and have it happen for me. So that's the service. <laughs> uh, it's been a weird time. I'm, I'm going to cut this short here in a little bit. It'll be another short one, but it's been a weird time because uh, I had two friends pass away just uh, as we were leaving and got to Paris. Uh, they passed away completely different circumstances. Um, we were, you know, we were friends. We weren't, we weren't really close, but we were friends and uh, from different circumstances in my life. One was uh, Adam Strong, who's a good guy. He was a, or was a good guy, I should say, and uh, he was a chef in New York. He was up with the mobile. He was doing really well. He was a wonderful person, great cook, um, really devoted his life to making great food and uh, did a great job. I ate with him more than once, worked at a restaurant he worked at in uh, Detroit, and uh, I was very impressed with him, and he just passed away suddenly in his sleep. And then a handful of days later, he was young. He was in his 20s. And then a few days later, a 21-year-old Michael Yankovic who's a comedian in Chicago, who had great jokes, uh, passed away too in his sleep. Bang, just dead, just like that. Uh, it was very sad because he was a very funny guy who had great jokes going for him and probably would have, if he had moved to New York or L.A., he probably would have actually developed into a really good comic that you guys would have eventually heard of. And uh, he can't now because he's dead. Uh, that's so heavy, man. It's just, it's over. And I, this happens every time I go to Paris, apparently, um, or at least it seems to. In 2013, my cousin Rob died. We were very close. He died as soon as I came back from Paris. And uh, death is a part of life, you know. It's uh, it's right there. And I, I guess I'm still processing these a little bit. I weren't able, I wasn't able to go to their funerals because I was in France. 
and uh, I just feel like your time is short, man. And uh, you better go do the shit you want to do with the time you have. And the only time you have is right now. You don't know what's going to happen. Trump is president, man. Anything could happen any day. That terrifies me. That keeps me up at night. I'm, I hope it keeps you up at night if you're a sane person in the least bit. Uh, our crazy uh, psychopath in chief, we'll see what he does. Uh, but... I I mean he's gonna bomb some some something. I'm surprised he hasn't bombed more shit already. To be perfectly honest, uh, he's I I I don't know what this period in history and world history and certainly in American history is gonna go down as, but it's not gonna be a bright spot, uh, politically or intellectually, and that's the terror. We're living in a very terrifying time, and having some friends pass away reminded me of it. Walking around Paris with that in your brain is a little heavy. And uh, I'm just going to devote my life to always doing the things I want to do. I'm done. I'll say that to you guys right now. Um, I hope you do the same. Do the things you want to do and don't compromise. You only get one of these things. Okay? So don't play a small game. Play all out. Play to the edge of the table. Because keeping all of your hands and your chips together doesn't help you win the game at all. It just helps you not lose which is no kind of way to play a game anyway. Uh, I know that's a rather stark ending to this. It's been a unique rambling podcast again. Uh, this is The Madness Continues. I guess I'm just trying to make sense of all of this. And it seems like a lot of stuff is happening. And to me, who who's an ENFP and a some kind of a shaman man, it feels like whenever death happens, it it's a, it's a really a, it's a clarion call of some kind. And uh, going to Paris has always been that way for me. And to have it double up like that, it felt like, hey, man, you need to pay attention to this shit right now. This is serious. Uh, You don't have time to waste. You really don't. You're not getting any younger. And uh, that was just a heavy lesson for me. I will, uh, I'll end it there today. Um, You guys, I have more interviews coming up soon uh, with some really cool people who I'm excited about. And uh, some some people, comedians, some people, the French comedians I messaged or mentioned, and some people like Chanel Preston will be coming up, the uh, the adult film actress and uh, and podcast host. I'm excited about talking to her. She is an interesting woman, and she's very intelligent. I know I've talked about this for a while, but all eight of you who listen to the podcast can be reminded. Take care. Have a good day. Meanwhile, the madness continues. <laughs>